Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bad Flips and Maple Dips, episode 86, I believe. I can never keep track. It's You're Clayton right. Croker. I was right? Yeah. Boom. One for one. Love it. Uh, Justin Anderson, he already piped in there. Wait for your intro I'm next on the time, good sir. Wait for your intro next time. That's extremely I'm rude. I'm a numbers guy. We got uh, Patrick Marsh joining us via Skype in the Maritimes. How's you going, bud? It's going great. It's starting to warm up out here. It's weird. It's like it's raining. So it's like almost always cloudy, but you could tell it's like this warm, muggy-ish that, uh, weather that we're used to uh, being known for out here. It's weird. It's like it's like it's been positive degree temperature uh, every day for the last, I think, week, something like that. Well, it sucks here, so good for you. Um, <laughs> wherever you're listening, thanks a bunch, whether it be Anchor, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, we really appreciate it. Follow us on the Twitter, at BFMD Podcast. That's the uh, social that we hit on the most there. Uh, mm. Before we get into baseball, can we talk some curling? The Briar? I'd love to talk some the curling. The Briar! Team Saskatchewan's killing it. Yeah. Team Saskatchewan made barstool sports. Yeah, they did. That shot that Matt Dunstone pulled off with it's the hammer shot. scoring three ended up winning the game. Yep. Did he score three or did he score four? Score three to win. Yeah, like huge shot. Crazy good There's shot. Been some insane shots this weekend. You're the this big, week, sorry. You're the big curler here, Justin. Yeah, so. it was it was looking like uh like tiebreaker city here going into today's action, but it all kind of figured itself out. So I know our friend of the show, Devin Haru, has been tweeting out a bunch of Briar stuff. He's a big curling guy. He's gonna be there for the for the for the final weekend here coming up. So been following his Twitter feed during the day. Um, but yeah, no, the boys from Sasky, they're tied for first in their pool right now. They're playing 0-6 UConn tonight, so let's see if we can finish up the pool play and qualify for the championship pool. That'd I feel bad for UConn. I can't remember the last time they were good at curling. Um, in the Briar, never. I don't know if, if if UConn has ever won a curling game. Them and Nunavut, since Nunavut got a team in the Briar, I don't think they've ever won a game. Mm-hmm. The women's Nunavut team actually won a couple of games this year. Yeah, I saw I that. I every that, yeah. team at the Scotties won a game, which well, is just good. The weird thing about curling is you don't have to actually be from the province you're curling for. Like Steve Laycock, who was the skip for Saskatchewan in 2018, yeah. he's the skip for BC this year. He's the fourth, yeah. It just matters yeah. where you're where you, curling out of, what curling you, club you're curling out of. So the way that Curling Canada works, three of your players must reside in the province they're curling for, and then you can have one out of province, like import, playing on your team. One ringer, kind of. Yeah, so like Steve Laycock's their ringer on that BC team. I but hate that. I don't like it either. So again, you don't have to be from there. You just have to live there. Yeah. Your residence. Well, it's like, um, out of, so there was a game between, uh, Canada, Kevin Cooey's rink out of, mm-hmm. out of Calgary. Team and Saskatchewan beat them by the night. way. Yeah, Not that was last deal. night. But like, uh, in that game, five players were born in Manitoba. Two were in Saskatchewan and one was born in Ontario. So there were no players on the, on either of those teams. Well, there's no Alberta players, no Alberta born players on that team because, Kevin Cooey is from Ontario, but he lived in the territories growing up. And then Ben Hebert on his team is from Saskatchewan. And then on many Dunstone's team, Braden Muscawi is the only Saskatchewan guy on that team. And the other, other three are all Manitoba because that's where Dunstone's from. So it's, it's just the way it is. That's where they live now. They're in Saskatchewan. It's all that matters. So. No one knows anyone who you just said, by the yeah, way. Sorry. Everyone's just like, yeah, we could have just gone with the whole. I've, yeah. played, I've played against uh, against some of those guys before. So, so if you're a fringe <laughs> curler, though, in Manitoba, you keep finishing third. Why don't yeah. you just move to the Yukon well, and just represent Yukon? I mean, you got to live in the Yukon, though. Man, don't chirp the Yukon. Yukon's beautiful. I mean, yeah, but. It's the Yukon. <laughs> wow, we're going to get some angry emails. I love the Yukon. That's From where I want to go to vacation. All 12 people who live there. How's Nova Scotia doing in the Briar, by the way, Patrick? Not great. Nova Scotia's already been eliminated. Hey. Uh, they, went, they went three and four. Uh, 
Brad Jacobs ranked there in Northern Ontario, mm-hmm. uh, snuck in uh, with a four and three record. Uh, Jamie Murphy obviously bounced. Not really that much of a surprise if you look at all the teams that did advance ahead of them. Yeah, there's some good teams. You got uh, uh, Brendan Botcher, Brad Gushu, and Brad Jason, Jacobs, and, Jason and then Gunlinkson. Yeah, I was just gonna Gunner. say uh, Adam Manitoba. Yeah. They're pretty good, but I actually have to say, as someone who's a casual curling fan, I actually really dislike the way that uh, the the Briar uh, handles this uh, a player residency and whether or not they can represent a different province. It's not the Briar; it's Curling Canada. Whatever it's it is, all Curling it's, Canada events, I, not just. I the think Briar. it's I think it's horseshit because. There are so like there's I don't think there's anybody from Prince Edward Island playing for Team Prince Edward Island this year. There mm-hmm. it's all people who like live there, but they're not really they haven't lived there for you know that long a period. And it's just I think it's stupid. I think you should have to live in that province for a minimum of ten consecutive years in order to be able to compete. And I understand there are some provinces that are known for being great at curling like yeah. manitoba obviously alberta. Uh, they um alberta ontario just because of population i think it's bullshit i i think you should have to live in one area for for a minimum of 10 consecutive years and then you qualify to be on team alberta or whatever and if they don't want to do it that way i think they should just abolish the fact that it's uh provincial names then because it it's i feel like it dilutes away from you know, representation of your province. If there's just a bunch of all-star curlers from around Canada, just parachuting their way into different provinces. I think it's, it's dumb. Well, you could make, you could also make the argument then that everyone for the Toronto Blue Jays should be from Toronto. No, that's not what I'm arguing though. This is a, the Briar has always been in all of its years of existence. It's prided itself on here. All the different, uh, provinces having representation with their curlers, but most of the curlers aren't actually from where they're supposed to be from, or they're just living there. You know, if they wanted, they could just take a super team and move them up to the Yukon uh, for a couple of years. And then, you know, if I ever win the $50 million lottery, I'm just going to pay a bunch of guys $10 million to hang out in the Yukon long enough so they can go win the Briar. Like it's just, it's, good, I think good, it's good way it to spend that money. That's what you do with that money. It's <laughs> a horrible way to spend well, your lottery. My point, is, my point is, I'd rather I want to destroy the idea of the Briar from the ground up, and that means by creating a super team and putting it somewhere that never wins at curling ever. That way, they can just sort of I can prove my point that this system is busted. And I also don't <laughs> like the fact that there's a Northern Ontario team and a wild card team. And a team Canada. There should just be all this uh, one team for every province. No team Canada. You got to compete. You have to be from that area. You have to have lived there for X number of years. Maybe ten is too draconian, but maybe something like five years. And then that way, it's like you're actually from that place instead of like, oh, well, I'm Jeff Stoughton. I'm just gonna move to BC and be the skip for BC or whatever. It's, I, I don't like it. Holy I don't like it, fucking it, triggered it, over hey, here. Patrick, Let's talk some baseball. No, one one like, thing, one thing before we go. Hey Patrick, how many curling rocks have you thrown in your life? Uh, less than ten. 
Okay, so uh, I don't want to say your opinion's not valid, but it kind of isn't. <laughs> As somebody who's thrown a lot of curly rocks, I, I don't, don't care if you've I, thrown a hundred. I, I think I, it's I a rule for smaller provinces. I very much disagree with you, uh, but we don't have time to get into that. <laughs> it's a rule for smaller provinces, so that PEI does have a yeah, chance. They can exactly. actually field a team. It just sucks that no one wants to play for UConn. Yeah, we can, we can debate the Briar later on, but not on the mic. Yeah, baseball, let's go. <laughs> uh, before we get to some Jays stuff and a nice little edition of What If, by the way, and we'll look at the Jays who are killing it so far in the first little bit of spring training. Mm-hmm. Uh, some news from the rest of Major League Baseball here, specifically the Yankees. They're hurting. Like they got a lot of guys that are going to be out for opening day. The big, uh, the big two, Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, Aaron Judge might play. He's doubtful, but that usually means he's going to miss it. Stanton's out until mid-April, but that's just the start because James Paxton, he's going to miss yeah. the start of the year. Uh, Severino's going to miss like the whole year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron Hicks is going to be out until June, July. Like they're they're missing some big pieces. Yeah. And you throw in the whole Red Sox thing with their <laughs> manager being fired, trading Mookie Betts and David Price. The Orioles are shit. All of this is kind of leading up to maybe, just maybe, the Jays being like okay in the AL East. You're forgetting about the Tampa Bay Rays, though. I know, uh, I know. And also, it was it's it's funny that you mentioned like just maybe, but it was funny. There was I think it was a tweet, might have been from Andrew Stoughton. Somebody on Twitter last night was talking about like, oh yeah, the Yankees have all these injuries, which is going to make it even more infuriating when they still win 110 games. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, Patrick, do you read anything in the into these uh, Yankee injuries? Do you think it's going to be uh, a big factor for the Jays, or is it just kind of whatever? I I don't see how you could argue against the fact mm-hmm. that it's going to make a difference. I mean. I don't know how many times they play the Yankees uh, in the first month of the season. It's at least three because I know there is uh, early on in April. I think it's April fourth or second, fourth, and fifth they play them. Um, and I only know that because my birthday is on the seventh. Uh, hint, hint, guys, get me a present. No, we I'm won't, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's going to have a very, very, very small impact on the Jays, but. You know, the worst the Yankees do for the first month of the season, it does open up the door for the Jays to maybe, if they're able to be successful uh, and beat up on the Red Sox, beat up on the Yankees, uh, and, you know, beat up on some of these other teams that they play early in the year. Don't forget the shitbirds. Like, yeah, the shit. Well, we don't play the shitbirds uh, until April 24th. Those are guaranteed wins, though. Yes, they are. Uh, we do play three <laughs> games against the Reds, which are going to be tough. Those are at the end of March and early April. And then we play a couple games against Phillies, a few games against the Royals, which should be easy wins. Um, but There's then no we play the Twins baseball. for three games. Those are not going to be easy wins. Uh, we play the Rays. We play a lot of Red Sox games uh, the first two months. So, I mean, I'm not saying that magically this team is going to go out there and you know run the table for the first month. But if we can exit April with, you know, be three or four games above 500, I think it does bode well for the rest of the season, especially the further back the Yankees can be at the start of the year. You know, it makes their mid to late season push that they always seem to have uh, maybe a little more palatable. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> yes. Maybe. Um... Yeah, I'm, I'm not looking too much into this. The Yankees have had injury problems for the last two years, especially with Stanton and, and even Judge, and they always just find a way to win. They're one of those teams that will pull a guy like Gio Urshela out of nowhere, former Jays castaway, legendary Gio Urshela, and make him into some sort of power 
hitting God. Um, I I still don't see the Yankees like slipping. I think Tampa Bay maybe this opens the door for them to overtake the Yankees for first, at least to begin the year. But I, I really don't see any way that the Yankees don't finish at least second in this division still. If you have a healthy and good bullpen, it makes yeah, up for a Yankees lot have of an injuries. Insane bullpen. So yeah. if your rotation and your lineup they start to get the injury bug, your bullpen can make up for a lot of that because a strong bullpen. I mean, you can yeah. you can pitch sketchy starting it's, pitcher guys for five innings yeah. and then just go to your it's strong. It's tough bullpen. though. We we saw last season that the Jays bullpen at the start of the year, like guys like Gaviglio got worked a ton and then struggled a lot later in the season. So that could be a factor especially with this Yankees team planning a deep playoff run mm-hmm. if they have to work these bullpen guys hard throughout the season that does hurt their chances the longer that the longer that goes on so that they're gonna need to find some starter depth it's the same issue the Red Sox have they just they have like two starting pitchers right now because price is gone yeah. sales gonna miss the start of the season and they just don't really have anybody else so there's a lot of uh, questions and rotations in the AL East right now the Jays and the Tampa Bay Rays, believe it or not, may have the most stable rotations Yikes. in baseball or in the in the East. And Tampa likes to use the opener, so we'll see Yikes. how that goes. Um, one last bit of news here: Christian Yelich, uh, nine years, two hundred fifteen million dollars with Milwaukee. Um, Good guy, g- great guy. Know him personally, super nice. Never talked to him. Calm down, life. Roxanne. That's um, the best tweet of all time. Christian Yelich, <laughs> great player, generational type player. I thought it was going to be more. Yeah, just because I, this how is outrageous like a contracts me. are getting. You know, it yeah. kind of reminds me of like the Vernon Wells, Alex Rios deals from back in the day, where it's like, okay, they're big, but they're not like crazy big. Well, you, you know? think it's like what? What was Trout's deal? Ten years, three hundred and thirty or something exactly. like that. So, whereas Yelich is a year less and a hundred million less. So yeah. like, he's getting uh, like. 10 million or 100 million dollars mm-hmm. less than Mike Trout, but he's not obviously he isn't Mike Trout, but he's won an MVP mm-hmm. award and he's he what he may have won last year's MVP too had he not gotten hurt. The Jays don't really do this a lot, Patrick, but would you like it if they signed like some of their homegrown talent to like nine, 10 year deals, like mega deals like this one? Um, it's really it's just gonna come down to player development. I know that's like a boring answer, but I could see Bo Bichette being a career Jay, it'd be. They probably will throw enough money at him that he's not going to want to leave. And especially if they see some success uh, in the postseason before uh, those guys all finish up their arbitration years. Uh, I know that's exciting because that means it's like six years away or something like that. But, you know, with all these injuries going on in the AL East, I do think Toronto has a better chance to have a slightly a very slightly better record. And the idea of making the playoffs now is really exciting. So I don't know. Maybe the window is starting to open for this team. And maybe we will see the team commit a lot of money to big stars. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I like the, the fact that teams are starting to do this. We saw the White Sox do it with a couple of their players. Um, Luis Robert. And I believe they did it with uh, Eloy Jimenez as well. Sign yep. them to to deals that kind of override the need to manipulate service time. So I was kind of hoping they would do something like that with with Bo and Vlad, um, but I don't know if they will. Maybe with Nate Pearson, we'll see something like that. Maybe after this season, if he does pitch well. From a player but, standpoint, yeah. if I got one of these contracts and my team didn't manipulate my service time, you're signing it. I would play my ass off for yeah. that team, though. Yeah, I think that's such a good oh, yeah. move to do. Like like these managers and these higher up execs are thinking, oh yeah, we'll manipulate this, manipulate that. Well. 
baseball players have feelings too. Like they're people, what? and they're gonna be like, Since when? "What the hell? You don't want to pay me because of this stupid yeah. freaking rule? Like I'm out here busting my ass for you guys, risking my body, and you guys really can't shell out a couple extra million dollars when you're already paying everyone millions of dollars? Like, I think this would make guys play harder for the squad if if more deals like those White Sox deals happen." Because they'd be like, hey, I appreciate the kind gesture. I'm going to try and repay you by hitting bombs. Sure. But that, that's how I'd see it if I was a player. And then if they fucked me around on the deal, it'd be like, well, screw you guys. Like, I don't want to fucking play for a guy who's <laughs> beating the system and paying me less. Like, But I don't know. I, maybe that's going to be more of a thing now, too. Those uh, These kind of mini mega deals, I guess. Like the not $300 million, yeah. you know, stuff I, like I'd that. I'd like to but... see them even sound like a, like a five-year, like, 70 million dollar contract yeah. right like those that's a classic jays contract yeah. right there five years 70 mil classic for someone who's jays. not that good right. classic jays looking at you randall Grichik. looking at you troy gloss it like four years and 40 for 42 for Grichik or something like that yeah Slow yeah. off a of Randall Grichik. Okay, $10 million guys. a year. If season hasn't even started yet season hasn't even started yet you're already harping on grich daddy it's um never too late or too early never <laughs> too late good one good one that's what you get for chirping Randall Gritchick. You get embarrassed. It's early. Huh? It's early still. Yeah, I know. That's what you said. It's never too late. Yeah. Yeah, so I called you I out. That's what you get la- for making I fun of I chirped him all year last year, too. Yeah, I know. I keep, I'm going to keep calling you out when you do. That's fine. Um, spring training. Let's talk about um, some of the results, some of the games, because the Jays have been having a pretty good spring training. Before we get into it, um, Justin, I'll lead with you here. Sure. Um, are you raising your expectations based on our performance at spring training or are you still just like it's spring training this this means nothing when i watch spring training baseball i look for players to open my eyes like surprising moments kind of moments that are like okay maybe this guy does have a chance at doing something productive if i see guys playing poorly in in spring training and guys like travis shaw or even bo bichette does not have a great spring training average so far i don't put too much stock into it it's guys that come out and have a great spring that that impress me because it means that yeah they obviously put in some work throughout the offseason guys like danny jansen we'll talk about in a minute like Tolez having a great spring training i look for guys to have like outstanding springs because that makes me believe that yeah they came ready to camp they're ready to go and those are the guys that i ultimately would like making the team more often is the guys who come in ready to play not the guys who come in like oh yeah i have a guaranteed roster spot i just need to show up Patrick, what about you? Are you reading into this uh, spring training success or, success or no? Uh, I think it. there are some parts of it which are better indicators than others. Uh, for example, I don't know that it means a hell of a lot if Chase Anderson has one bad performance or two bad performances. But if someone like uh, Shun Yamaguchi or Anthony Kay has two or three bad performances – definitely impacts their potential uh position as a starter uh, in the future so for some it means more for some it means less for guys like danny jansen who struggled last year at the plate it's really good to see him you know come out swinging and maybe that's just me trying to see things through uh rose-colored glasses is like look at the positive stuff and emphasize that and pretend that you know some of our starters are looking really bad, pretending that's not actually happening. I don't know. It's spring training. Moral of the story. 
nothing like, that happens right now is gonna matter. <clears throat> it's in like preseason football. It's just a it's just kind of. I remember the one year the Detroit Lions went four and zero in the preseason, and everyone was like, "Holy shit!" Every game that year. Here comes the Detroit. Here come the Detroit Lions. They went zero and sixteen. Yeah. Like Calvin Johnson, that was his rookie year, I believe, right. and he was a monster in the preseason because no one could well, cover him. He was a monster all year too. Exactly. But the rest of the team. Yeah. But Oof. in preseason, he's going up against four-string DBs. Yeah. And he's lighting them up. And, like, geez, yeah. So never never read too yeah, much into this. Uh, let's get into some games from last week. Um, that Jays-Twins game, the one that ended in a tie, it was a real interesting game because we had Ryu on the mound. He looked okay, mm-hmm. but the, the Twins lineup is so good. That's a thing. So looking okay is actually pretty good against them. Reese McGuire looked good, though. He had yeah. some pop in his bat. Home run. You guys can make your Reese McGuire jokes if you want to, Patrick but I'm not Kassman gonna. Here. I'm not gonna make any. I'm but not doing it. no, let's move on. <laughs> Kevin Smith. How about Kevin Smith? Two run single. Where, where, guys? Where's Kevin Smith at in the grand scheme of things? Starting at Double A, for sure. He struggled last season, so he's got to start where he's where he struggled and prove that he can move up to Triple A. Mm-hmm. I would I wouldn't mind putting him in AAA to start, and if he struggles, uh, then move him down to AA. Like, give him a shot. He hit like two twenty in AA. He eats yeah. and he struck out like way too much. He's yeah. got a pitch. He's got to play yeah. AA again. Mm-hmm. Wilmer Font is another underrated guy, though. One inning pitch, two Ks. Yeah, no, he's looking like a solid middle innings relief guy. Mm-hmm. We won't. We won't. We shouldn't need him to open games this year. Yeah. So he's gonna slap back into a regular bullpen role, and that's probably hopefully a good spot for him with low leverage situations. He just looks good. He looks like his control is really... He throws strikes. Yeah, like he, like last year he was known for throwing strikes in his control, yeah. but this year it looks even better. Like yeah. he's just like, you look at the catcher, they're not moving. No. Like he's hitting his spots. Yeah, he, and he comes in and throws strikes. That's yeah. what you want from a, bull, a bullpen guy. If he gets his stuff a little bit better, he could be a pretty valuable asset, but yeah. sometimes he's leaving muffins, though. Um, that Jays-Tigers game, uh, T. Oscar looked great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jays in general looked good there. Anthony Kay looked really good. Now, he was my big prediction before spring training started to be the wild card and from what i saw in that game it was like okay you see glimpses of a guy who could be a number five starter yeah but he is inconsistent and then you look at well we'll talk about today's game. i know but like he's just <laughs> he's so inconsistent yeah. and that's it's like an aj burnett you know like he's got flashes of just like holy shit this guy's good and flashes then it's like of hall of fame talent man you got to put it all together but the thing is he's only 24 yeah he'll he, he's got time to put it all together uh what did you think of that jays tigers game though other than t oscar and anthony k who'd you have your eye on there patrick uh, Santiago Espinal, one for three with an RBI. He is continuing to make a very strong case to be on that uh, 25 or 26-man uh, sorry, uh, roster. I, I know we've talked about this before and how it's probably going to be panic, but I think Espinal has made a great case. He's got, he's got the bat. Does he have what it takes in the field, though? Because we're going to need him to eat up some, you know, middle infield innings when, you know, our big boys need the rest. So I want to see more Espinal, and I, I really do hope he sticks with the big club. Wadges Pack um, looked very inconsistent, just like Anthony Kay in that game, too. Four walks. You know, like, yeah. he didn't allow any hits, but he had four walks. And, like, he had a good start to the spring as well. It sucks when guys have a good start and you expect a lot from them for the rest of spring. And they have one bad showing like that. It wasn't bad, 
But four walks in an inning and a third, it's like, come on, buddy. Like, again, some of these Jays pitchers, they just got to put it all together. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing they're not doing right now. They're not putting it all together. They have so much talent, but they can't put it all together. Um, That Phillies game where Danny Jansen hit a home run. We got more on Danny Jansen in a bit. We got more on everyone. It seems like every person we've been saying this episode, (laughs) more on him in a bit. More on him in a bit. But, again, he struggled last year, Patrick, and now he's actually – it looks like he's kind of put his struggles behind, hey? I would agree, but I want to throw it back to you, being the former catcher yourself. Um, do you think Danny Jansen's defensive prowess overrides whatever performance he may end up having at the plate this year? Oh, yeah. Yeah. When it comes to being a catcher, I mean, you can take your catcher's average and RBIs and all that stuff. You can take a hit with it if he's a good defender. Yeah. You, you, you can be like, okay, we need a good defensive catcher. We need someone who we can trust calling a game. Yeah. If that means a few struggles at the plate, whatever. That's you're why gonna, you're batting eighth or ninth. You're going to save way more runs as a great defensive catcher by blocking balls in the dirt, throwing mm-hmm. runners out on, the ba- on bases, calling a good game than you ever will by hitting home runs with the mm-hmm. bat. Like that's why when Russell Martin was struggling a few years ago, yeah, it wasn't like everyone was like, "Get this guy out of town." Some guys were, but it was yeah. like, "Man, this guy's so valuable to my pitchers." Yeah. I don't know who wrote it, by the way, but someone from I don't know if it was <laughs> Jay's, Jay's journal. journal. Someone wrote that we should sign Russell Martin, and I I, I didn't read the article because I didn't want to give clickbait a read. <laughs> Look, I love everyone who's very passionate about the Jays and doing what we do, doing a podcast, yeah. writing whatever, but. That was, that was his bad take. Come on. His big take was, well, he was great with Ryu and for the Dodgers. Like when they when they were when they were together, Ryu's yeah. stats were really for good. For one year. For one year. But also too, Russell's not gonna be cheap because he's got the no, veteran minimum, you we've know. We've got so many cheaper options. And for a third string catcher, just to catch for yeah. one guy. I know it's our ace, but I was like, oh, it's a little bit of a reach. But at the same time, to be fair, it's spring training, fair, not a lot to talk about. Yeah. So um, but he looked okay there. Uh, Sammy G, Jordan Romano, okay. But um, this Yamaguchi guy that we kind of hyped up before the season, Justin, he's not really ah. he's not really panning out so far. It's, it's fine. Spring training. You mentioned it before. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, if spring training really doesn't matter, then this Pirates game, thank goodness. Because, yeah. man, the Jays look bad. Like, this was the first game where the Jays truly looked really bad in spring. Mm. Uh, TJ Zoik. Again, inconsistencies, right, Patrick? I mean, you really like Zoik. You're he's your boy, but you got to admit he's been pretty inconsistent. Yeah, I don't know what to think now because with all these starters trying to compete for that fifth spot in the rotation, it's almost like uh, I mean, it's anybody's game because uh, you know between Anthony K, Chase Anderson, TJ Zoik, uh, none of them have looked particularly good. Uh, Jacob Wagaspak uh, has control issues i think would be a you know polite way to put it um so with all these guys not you know standing out it kind of opens up the door for a certain other pitcher who appeared in that very same game um his name rhymes with great fearson Boo. <laughs> <laughs> that was bad. Boo. Yeah, you always use the Schmierson if you're uh, doing the rhyming game. You put the schma in front of the uh, last part of the word. I'm glad you guys let that dead air hang, though, so I could just, I felt. You had to just like, marinate in yeah, that one. For we had to let that marinate one marinate because that was. Oh, but he looked oh, great boy. again, throwing it out there. Two innings pitched, three Ks, no hits. 
a lot of people are saying that this Nate Pearson guy, like players from the other team, are like, man, this guy's a horse. Like this guy's freaking impressive. Yeah, like, it's it's really cool when you got other teams saying that stuff. Yeah. So, um, and then we played the Pirates. Well, our other team. This that was a split squad game, right? Yeah. Yeah, we played the Pirates, and that team looked good. Four nothing. Matt Shoemaker, two and two thirds, five Ks, only one hit. He's killing it. He's like I again. Even last year when we signed him, I was like, I don't know about Matt Shoemaker, but man, he's proving. Me wrong. He's proving everyone wrong. I don't wrong. want to tell you guys, but I believe I said Matt Shoemaker was going to be great for us last season. Unfortunately, injuries slowed that down. Yeah, but, you did. Um, I'm not going to say anything about to- telling you so, but yeah, maybe as my dad on. would say, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Yeah, oh, that's my no. that's my dad's favorite saying of all time. Yeah, that's shout a, out to Mike Croker. That is a really good dad saying. Yeah. Um, the broken clock is right twice a day. That's another that's always one. A good one yeah, too. that's another one. But that gives you credit for two things, not just yeah, the one. That's true. <laughs> so more harsh. Yeah. Um, again, Danny Jansen hit a bomb in that one. Gritch Daddy. Um, sweet RBI walk. I know. Yeah. I, Gritch I, Daddy I, taking I, walks I is always up, a highlight. I want to pump up Gritch, man. You Anytime he can boost it on base percentage just a little bit above the average, exactly. it's a highlight. You got to pump him up a little bit. But uh, Shoemaker and Trent Thornton. Again, we'll get to kind of those guys in a bit here. Uh, again, classic. We got 17 guys to get to in a bit. But um, <laughs> before we get to that, that last game where Anthony K, we kind Today. of alluded to it. He, he looked bad. Um, yeah. Watched four guys just like Wadges. One back. third of an inning. He Not good. Like, not good. Again, that's the thing. It's inconsistencies. And he said after the game that his fastball was just, it wasn't tailing it was right. flat. It's just flat. So, again, it, it, you think fastball just straight, right? Like, if you play MVP baseball not, you're or the show a two or whatever. That's a four-seamer. Exactly, you know? But, yeah. like, you want your fastball to have a little bit of a tail on it. A little bit of a tail on you know? two-seam like action, a, you know? especially for a lefty. Mm-hmm. But he's got to figure it out. He will. He will. But Bo Bichette looked good. Anthony Alford looked good. Walgis Pack looked good. Basically, the only bad thing about that game, we lost. But... Anthony K. That, that was the only bad thing. Did you see anything else in that game today, Patrick, that with any any red flags or uh, I'm gonna toss it over to Justin. I think he already know what he's gonna say, but you go first, bud. Yeah, I mean Patrick Murphy didn't look great, but I don't think he was ever expected to make this no. team on the spring training. He's a triple A Buffalo guy. Most likely, maybe even starting a double A where he finished last year. Um yeah, I'm a big Patrick Murphy guy. I think he's going to be a, a good like number four, number five guy for a long time in the big leagues. Whether or not it's with us or not, we may trade him for outfielding help, perhaps. Um, mm-hmm. But I do believe that he'll be uh, solid in the minors for us this year. He had to fix his delivery last year. I've talked about it a few times. He had an illegal delivery that the uh, minor league baseball umpires association uh, association cracked down on him for. So we had to change that about half of the season. So we'll see what he does this year. That's all I got. Yep, that makes sense. Uh, but Jacob Wagaspak did look good. He pitched two innings today, uh, three strikeouts, no runs. So the fuck-ups kind of land on Anthony Kane, Patrick Murphy today. Um, I got to ask you guys, Anthony Alford had an amazing first game, and then he went completely invisible, as did Derek Fisher, mostly. Uh, but then Anthony Alford stole the base today, so... Does he have a place on this roster as like the speedy base stealer, or you know, is his pathetic batting average just too much of a negative uh, deterrent to keep him off this squad? I think having that hot start was almost bad for him because mm-hmm. now people are expecting him to play well. And now it's like, okay, but he's not that player. He overperformed that day. And yeah, everyone's right. expectations are really high for him going into spring already. Then he plays like that, and he's like, oh, wow, we were right. And he's got to keep that going, though. 
Again, it's it's back to the inconsistency thing, yeah. you know? You, I know baseball, you're going to be inconsistent. You can't just bat 500 for the entire year. That's it's very unrealistic. But you got to be a little consistent. You can't be just super inconsistent. And that's what Anthony Alford and a bunch of guys are doing. Wander's pack is getting a lot of work in the spring, I've noticed. Yeah. Like, we're giving yeah. him a bit, we're giving him a chance to win that fifth spot and be, a, be an impact guy. I think he's going to be a bullpen long man. But, man, we're giving him a lot of innings. Like, we've talked about him a lot on this episode. That's what happens at the start of spring, though. Mm-hmm. It's because every pitcher is pitching, like, one inning, one inning, one inning. They're slowly mm-hmm. working their starters into games and giving them, like, two innings. Mm-hmm. Next time through the order, they'll start letting them pitch three innings. Yeah. And then by the end of spring train, they'll be, like, four or five. And then turn them loose. But, yeah, no, we're giving these, these guys that are not going to make the roster a lot of play, which is important to do because it's their spring training, too. They still have to go down to AAA after this and, and pitch, right? So... It's important. Last thing on the week that was, Jordan Romano plunked two guys uh, today. Got out of the jam, though. Yeah, I struck so, out a guy, didn't give him any hits. So. Do you care about Jordan Romano, though? I love the guy. Yeah? He's Canadian. I think he, he throws hard. Mm-hmm. He's got a good chance to be like a 7th or 8th inning guy for us. What about you, Patrick? Are you, like, do you care about Jordan Romano at all? Are you kind of following along with him? I, I kind of see him as whatever, but. I think he's going to make this team uh, because we need, a solid bullpen arm, like Justin said, seventh, eighth inning would be nice. Uh, he looked decent last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's looked okay so far in spring training. I do think uh, there are other arms that have looked better uh, this spring, including Jacob Wagaspak, uh, as far as bullpen. But it seems to me not to take things away from Jordan Romano and to put them back on Wagaspak, but it seems to me like they are testing Wagaspak as a long reliever slash middle reliever of sorts in these games uh, in all of his appearances, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's sort of, I'm getting the sense that he's definitely going to be a bullpen arm and he's going to be somebody who is going to log, you know, a hundred innings this season. It's, it's interesting because we have that three batter minimum rule this year now, right? So you can't just bring a pitcher in to face one guy unless the inning ends. So we might see more teams go with like, quote unquote, long relievers that can maybe pitch two innings at a time, right? Yeah. That way you're not having to burn as many pitchers. I didn't think of that. That's a good point. So, to me, seeing Wagus Pack getting so many innings this spring, that almost indicates to me that that might be his his role on the team. Yeah. Two guys. relief. Two guys that we really want to look into here, um, kind of our who's hot during spring training, uh, segments. Uh, Danny Jansen and Trent Thornton. Uh, those two guys, they I think they've arguably been our two best players of the spring. Um, Danny Jansen, especially this past week, let's just run through the stats here. Five hits, two of them bombs. He's got five RBIs and three walks. Yeah. So he's showing some patience at, at the plate. He's hitting 556, an on base of 667. He's got a new approach at the plate. Yeah, he That's does. That's what I read. Yeah, so uh, him and Anthony Alford worked out with Ryan Brecky's dad all winter mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Brecky's dad was a minor leaguer with the Phillies system I believe back in the day and he's now an independent hitting coach so he worked with with Danny and, and Anthony Alford um, about really developing a pre-game hitting routine because Danny Jansen talked about Keegan Matheson wrote a great piece on it yesterday friend of the show mm-hmm. um, yeah. and about how Danny was talking about how he has like a pre-game defensive routine a pre-game like routine in terms of like calling like, like calling the game or working with the pitchers but he didn't have one for hitting. So they worked really hard to establish a pregame hitting routine that involves like hitting weighted balls off of a tee. Um, just really getting in the mindset of making solid contact through the zone. 
which is where Denny Jansen did struggle a lot last year. His swing was looking kind of like a U, where it should be more like a flat line. It was like right? compact. Hey? Yeah. Like it was like it's, it's good to have a compact swing, he, but uh, it was like his elbows were in. I think they're getting him to stand up a little bit taller. Remember when Randall Gritchick came to the Jays and he was basically like in a squat position yeah. behind the plate or mm-hmm. in the batter's box, and they got him standing up a little bit higher? I think that's probably what we'll see Denny do this season, too. I haven't seen any side-by-side comparisons yet. I'm sure Buck and Tab, you'll get into it when the season starts. But... uh uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what what Danny's stance looks like compared to last year, just to see if he's using his base more. He talked about how he wasn't using his legs; he was letting really his his body, like his midriff, turn towards the ball too early, and he wasn't using his his legs to drive his body through the zone. He was more pulling with his hips, and you you got to use your front leg, that drive leg. So, looking forward to seeing what he'll do. Um, he's doing what he did in the minor leagues, right? Like he was a big walks guy in the minors. Like he walked basically as much as he struck out all through his minor league career. And last year we 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 saw him walk, but we didn't see him walk to the level that he did in the minor leagues. Like he walked um, more times than he struck out in his minor league career. So food for thought there. Mm-hmm. And and last year he he did not do that. So um, he struck out like. 12% more than he walked. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what he does this season. But I am looking forward to seeing what he, what his changes look like in the regular season. Because, yeah, like we, we, we just talking about how spring training doesn't matter. But to see a guy who struggled this much, as we've alluded to, come out this hot, it's encouraging. Mm-hmm. We'll have to see it. Well, also, too, because he's doing something different. Maybe that's yeah. the change that he needed. Maybe something just clicks. It's I mean, amazing how that one little thing for athletes, when it clicks, it's like, holy crap. Just think about, like, your job, right? In radio, you have a pre-show routine. Yeah, you do the same. You do the same things every morning to get ready for your show. Shotgun a couple bows. Exactly. Dip, yeah. Let's go. Throw a dip. Let's go. I don't Perfect. actually do that, by the way. <laughs> don't call the CRTC. Let's, let's fucking pump uh, the brakes here. And then, like, for me in my, in my job, I do a lot of sales presentations all day. So I have a pre-sales call routine where I do some research on the client, try to check their website, look at them on LinkedIn, kind of mm-hmm. try and get some information I can use to help me. Yeah, stalk them. We get it. Yeah. Well, exactly. That's yeah. what you do in twenty twenty. Yeah. But. It's a pre, it's a routine that I do all the time, and, mm-hmm. and it's made me successful in my career. And so why wouldn't a guy like Denny Jansen, who part of his job is hitting, not have a routine for it? Uh, the other guy, Trent Thornton, who, Patrick, your boy, you love this yeah, guy. Boy. You called it. Absolutely. You said we that did. Trent Thornton was going to have a good spring. I doubted it. I've, I've been a Trent Thornton doubter. I'm not sold on him. I don't know why. He looks great. He's got Doubting good Dave. stuff. I just don't know why. He's got a bad feeling about him. You know, like some baseball players just get that feeling in their gut. Like for you guys, it's Gritchick. You, it's because he has glasses. Yeah, I don't like guys. Even though glasses. you like Anthony K. <laughs> I hate. Ah, uh, well, Anthony, I don't know. I just like Anthony K. But Trent Thornton, um, what have you seen about him that impresses you so much over his two uh, starts here? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's five innings, uh, so take this all with sort of a grain of salt. But he's. He's out there doing everything that's been asked of him. He has yet to concede a hit. Uh, I think his control is uh, on a much better level. And uh, the successful stealing of Clay Buckle's curveball has helped him tremendously. Uh, the guy is just, he's, he's out there able to control the situation when, you know, he does give up a walk or two. Uh, he's not striking guys out. It, it's, you know, you hate to see it uh, because everybody loves strikeouts. But if he can consistently, you know, get soft contact or easy ground balls and stuff like that for uh, the infield gobble up, you know, maybe Trent Thornton is the number five guy. Maybe he is uh, that change of pace number five hitter who you can throw out uh, right before, you know, the next uh, the next game they're going to see uh, Ryu 
who's got some crazy good stuff. So I don't know. I, I'm a little bit worried uh, that he doesn't have enough heat to stay as a starter, but it, it seems to me like they're giving him the chance. Like he's going to be the number five starter and it's already been determined, but I don't know. We'll we'll have to see a little bit more baseball, I think. Baseball. Baseball. That's what like, we're here for. Um, like baseball. Yeah. Baseball has been very, very good to me. Um, <laughs> that's it for who's hot, who's not. No, not today because of spring training. We're not going to rag on guys for having bad spring training. Because it doesn't matter. Exactly. Uh, it's like, whose line is it anyway? The points don't matter. Yeah. Um, this last segment here, another what if. We're bringing it back. We're going to do this a lot this year, but we kind of didn't do it during the off season because it's hard doing what ifs in the off season. But Patrick, I'll let you take this away, bud. All right, here we go. This week's What If is actually dedicated to you, our beloved Clayton Croker, uh, whose love of all things Nate Pearson has become more apparent during spring training. Uh, last week, uh, you drew a line uh, in the sand and debated very fervently in favor of Nate Pearson joining the Toronto Blue Jays rotation as soon as possible, uh, which definitely ruffled Justin and I, who were more interested in seeing him uh, get a little bit of endurance uh, in the minor leagues. Player development. At, yeah. You I'm can develop player players development. in the majors. <laughs> but uh, he, he doesn't have a lot of uh, minor league time, especially in AAA. I'd like to see him get more. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Today, uh, we're going to indulge your deepest fantasy, Clayton, by playing oh. what if What if Nate Pearson is fast-tracked in 2020 to join the Blue Jays rotation? Where does he fit into the scheme and what are the larger implications that it has for the season? We talked about it early in the episode uh, in a very well-written segment by me talking about how all these other teams are vulnerable <laughs> in the AL East. So in this what-if scenario, Nate Pearson joins the team. Uh, where does he fit into the rotation exactly? Uh, before we get to Nate himself, I want to set the table a wee bit. You guys feel free to chime in a little bit. Maybe I'm off my rocker. Uh, we'll start with the number one spot. Uh, uh, Jin Ryu, unquestioned ace, number one. Uh, he's going to start opening day, and hopefully we see him every five days for the rest of the season. Are we all on board with that idea? No. Obviously. Sounds like a terrible idea, yeah. but I think I can handle it. All right. Well, we're going to pallet that one. <laughs> uh, and uh, the number two spot. I don't know. It's early, but the Jays seem to have a very high hopes for Tanner Rourke, who's been an inning-eating machine the last four seasons. He's had at least 30 starts. I think we can pretty safely assume he's going to uh, slot in either number two or number three, depending on how they want to mix up the rotation, if they want to have you know lefty-ready, lefty-ready. What do you guys think? Tanner Rourke? I put Shoemaker ahead of Rourke, just because Shoemaker, we know what we have in him. Later on in the year, you can move Rourke to number two. But I think Shoemaker's proved it, especially this spring, that he may have earned the number two spot. Yeah, I, I would actually agree, agree with that. Um, and I think we should create an it's early jar instead of a swear jar because we use that phrase a lot. That's the best thing about <laughs> spring training, though. You can have these wild opinions and just blame it on it. But being we early. say it's early until August. Yeah, that's awesome, though. It's a perfect <laughs> talking about baseball. Don't take that away from yeah, us. It's, early. it's still early. No, you can, but you it's can great. just have all these crazy ideas. We start an it's early jar and then donate it, to, to, donate it to charity. Yeah. <laughs> $3.25. Oh, yeah, okay, but, but those are the, yeah, the, the Shoemaker yeah. work, two or three. Two, yeah. three interchangeable. Yeah, yeah, they're going to fit in there somewhere. And after those three pitchers, it starts to get very interesting. 
Uh, we'll start with Chase Anderson. He was supposed to be one of the five in the rotation. That's why we did what we did to acquire him. Um, but he hasn't looked that great in the spring. I know it's early. Is his spot there it is. vulnerable early. at all? Yes. Big time. He'll be in the rotation to start the year, but can't it, just because we paid you a bunch of money in the offseason doesn't mean you can do whatever the hell you want and underperform. We gave you a lot of money because we, you, just, we, we want you to help him, us. So it wasn't that much well, money. You know, we know what I mean, though. Like, <laughs> we acquire him in hopes that he's helping us out. So hopefully he figures it out and starts pitching better. But is this the so, time? Is this the time where we start putting in our our what if predictions here? Or? Well, that's what all these questions are for. If if his spot is vulnerable, then we have a question mark at number four. Uh, the next spot in the rotation number five trent thornton has been lights out so far in grapefruit uh grapefruit league play say that five times fast um and all signs seem to point to him having a rotation spot but then there is the nate of it all okay where does nate pearson fit into this if he is called up is he guaranteed a spot in the rotation let's say hypothetically uh, for the sake of this little exercise he is guaranteed a spot in the rotation. So who's number four? Who's number five? How does this work? What happens to Anthony K, Shun Yamaguchi, Jacob Wagaspak? Do they all still have a shot, or is it all moot point at, you know, if Nate actually does get the call? So what do you guys think? What if Nate Pearson was chucked into this rotation? What does it mean for the team? It means that the team wants to play a lot of exciting baseball games. Because with Nate Pearson in the fold we would have our four most hyped prospects in some time all on the roster at the same time with Bo Cavan and Vlad and then Mr. Nate Pearson. Um, it would really signify, I think to the fans that this team and this or organizational ownership group is committed to putting their best product on the field, which is something that we didn't see at the start of last season. Obviously Vladdy did get hurt in spring training, but they weren't going to start with the big team anyway. Mm -hmm. And, in my opinion, his defense still isn't major league ready, so they got a hose, maybe had a point. Yeah, he has a hose, but he has to be able to catch the yeah, ball too. Exactly. But that's besides the point, and that's in the past. If the team does choose to start Nate Pearson in the rotation, basically immediately at the start of the season, it would send a message throughout baseball too that maybe this team isn't really considering service time a thing anymore. Obviously, the same thing happened with Bo Lester. He also hurt himself. He got hit by a pitch, broke his hand. Um, Cavan, they called up, but they did call Bo up as soon as he was back, and he was even on a slump in AAA when they called him up. So I think after the whole Vladdy debacle that everyone was criticizing them for, they said, okay, maybe we should just like forget service time and just start calling our best players up. The argument with Nate Pearson at, that we had last week is just because he doesn't have a ton of innings. He's pitched like what 120 professional innings over three seasons, and including one year where he didn't pitch. So it's, to me, I'm still on the fence of like, is it important for him to build up his arm? I think it still is. Um, but I do want to see him in the big leagues as soon as possible. So I, I would be I would be ecstatic if he is. But I have, I have a hard time what ifing him being there because I, it just goes against every fiber of my belief that he won't be. Do you agree, though, that the narrative surrounding Nate Pearson starting with the Jays, maybe not starting, but getting the call-up after, mm -hmm. after a few weeks, it's starting to change. Before spring training, people were like, no, no, we got to keep this guy in the farm. A lot of people who thought that 
you're kind of yeah. changing a, your a attitude. A hundred mile an hour it. heat will change a lot of people's you're minds. I no, I am still firmly on the start of AAA, and even haven't pitched the full season of AAA train. But you can see how it would. Be I can good. see how it would be fun. Yeah, but. Because we aren't going to finish higher than third place in this division, that's if we can finish in third place. I don't want to see Nate Pearson thrown into a position where he's like, okay, I'm in the big leagues now. I have to throw 100 every time and have him have something happen to his arm. I don't think he'll think that, though. I don't think he will, but the young guy's an adrenaline. Yeah. First big league season, pitching against the, some of the best teams in the league. It just, for me, it seems like I don't want, I don't want to say we need to shelter him. But we do need him to prove that he can pitch 150 innings this year. See, I think he can. Loose. I think he can do that at the major league level. Everyone's saying we, he should build his arm in the minors. Yeah. Why can't he build his arm in the majors? I, I, I Why don't, can't he be yeah. on like a, not a pitch count? But hey, you know what? You're not going to go past five innings all year. I don't think you're wrong about him being able to do it in the in the major leagues. But for me, the 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 point I'm trying to make is what's the rush? Why do we need him this year? If because it, it'll get him another year of experience, I think that's very valuable. But also, burning your service time. I don't care about service time I at do. this point. I don't care. <laughs> when uh, when you win a World Series ring, do you really care about a service time for a few players? We're not going to win a World Series ring this year, though. Never know. But yeah. again, I mean, in two or three I mean, years, we know. In two, <laughs> or th- in two or three years, when the Jays, when all these stars are vets and they have three or four years in the league, are you going to remember? Oh yeah, we kept Nate Pearson for a few uh, weeks in the minors for service time. Or are you going to remember? Hey man, those three hey, weeks were very valuable for him. Keeping Nate Pearson in the minors keeps that window of opportunity before he had to sign into a deal pass arbitration open for one more year but so. maybe he's like hey you guys did me a solid and you know what you, you paid me early and i'm gonna repay it back by maybe giving you a little bit of a fair deal uh we'll see but uh, i just i can't see it happening i love the what if scenario it would be great to see him just from a fan excitement perspective like i want to see him pitch more and i'm not gonna be able to watch him pitch in buffalo but at the same time i want what's best for the long-term career of nate pearson which, in my opinion, is building him up in AAA at least until July, and then bringing him up and having him let's turn him loose. Do the five-two, mm-hmm. five-two thing in Buffalo, like they did in New Hampshire last year, and then just turn him loose for the last three months of the season and let it buck. This is the uh, last thing we'll say about it, but when other players on the other team are saying that this guy is for real. Yeah. And it's spring training, and like that doesn't happen too much in baseball, yeah. where guys are pumping other guys' tires on another team. Happens a bit, you know, because if you, you can train with a guy and know him pretty well. But after that Pirates game, I forget who it was on the Pirates, but they Josh were like, Bell, I yeah, think? he he was like, man, this guy is. I've I've never seen anything like it. Like this guy is chucking. Yeah. When other guys are saying that, it helps when you're six six two fifty, and it also helps too because like I know that every Jays fan knows Nate Pearson was a big prospect. Yeah. I don't think the rest of Major League Baseball really has Nate Pearson. They have him on their radar, but I don't think the big baseball fans would be like, oh, yeah, this Nate Pearson kid, huge, awesome prospect. For Jays fans, yeah, he's the center of our universe. For other baseball fans, they might be like, yeah, Nate Pearson, he's their young guy. So I think yeah. that, like, and then for him to come in and completely change everyone's mind, yeah. now everyone's like this Nate Pearson guy for the Jays. I just, I want to see him improve his secondary stuff we know he can blow anybody away with that fastball mm-hmm. but major league hitters two times to the order three times to the order in a game they can time up 100 miles an hour mm-hmm. it's what you can complement it with his changeup isn't there yet no nah, it's not the curveball is flat it flashes a plus pitch and as does the slider the slider is better than the curveball mm-hmm. 
But I think for him to be a major league starter, he needs three pitches. And I think one of those pitches has to be a good changeup. Yeah. If, you, if you're throwing 100 or 98 the whole game and your changeup is like 90, that's still huge. Yeah. When you have when a batter has like less than 0.3 seconds to decide if he's going to swing or not, a change in 10 miles an hour is huge in that like time gap mm-hmm. from being late or being early. I still think that he can build up his arm in the majors, but I get why no, no, no. you can think it's in AAA build it up there. But I think he can do it at the major league level. The build one thing we can all experience. agree on is that it's going to be exciting when he finally does make the big leagues, yeah. and yeah. hopefully we can keep him for a long time. All right, we've been talking for way too long, so let's uh, let's wrap this thing up. Anyone else want to want to mention anything? We're good. We covered everything, I think. So. I'd like to chime in on the what if. I didn't really say anything the last ten minutes. All right. Uh, I only have two things to say. The first is that you're both right for you know all the same reasons you've already highlighted. Um, it makes more sense to build up his endurance in the minor leagues. Um, on the other hand, I don't know that we really need to protect this guy from anything. He seems like an absolute Pearson beast at all of an costs. <laughs> well, the thing is, he seems like an absolute beast of an athlete. It's already being pointed out by other players on other teams. I understand that they don't necessarily have the same investment in the Toronto Blue Jays' success as, say, you know, Mark Shapiro or Ross Atkins or Charlie Montoyo or even, you know, you or I or Clayton, but I don't know. There's something special about this guy and. I don't want to waste it on a year where we're looking at probably something in and around 78 to 84 wins. That's not going to be enough to get us into the wild card. Yeah, we might play some interesting baseball in September, but why are we risking it? Why are we risking long-term success just for the sake of, you know, a couple of couple great games? Late in the season, you gotta risk it for the biscuit. You gotta risk it for the biscuit. I had to throw it in there. Couldn't what stop. if all these other teams in the AL East have a shit start, and we have a chance to get a little head start on them? So you're and telling Nate, me Nate Pearson could help us out with that. Yeah, um, I mean that's a, that's. I mean you're pulling me to your side, Clayton, but at the same time, logic just tells me it's we gotta get his endurance up so that way he can chuck gas for you know 15 seasons as a J, and you know. Go to the Hall of Fame with a Blue Jay on his cap. Oh, like, 15 seasons have, sounds amazing. Yeah. I have very high hopes for Nate Pearson. He could be the next Doc Halliday, although he certainly pitches harder than Doc did in his peak already. So it's just about him learning the command part of it and you know getting a third-plus pitch. Yeah, yeah. again, like we said, no matter what happens, it's going to be fun. Uh, thanks for listening, guys, whether it be on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever. Thanks a bunch. Stitcher, tune into all that stuff. Uh, give us a follow on the Twitter at the BFMD Podcast. Um, I'm Clayton. That's Justin. That's Patrick. Uh, goodbye song today. Who's got it? Who's on it? Uh, I guess I was supposed to do it. Uh, let's do the White Stripes Seven Nation Army. That was on the radio when I was it coming was. to work today. That's why I thought about it. Or not to work, when I was coming when, to the when podcast. We, when we walked in the studio, well, I was Technically here. coming to work, because I work here. Yeah. It's awesome driving all the way across town to come to the place that you work at, only to return eight hours uh, later. It's the place where I used to work. Yeah, great. Uh, have a good one, guys. See you later. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>